What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. But then you look at, well, to meet this, what kind of sales do I need? Right. So what that'll determine what I'm going to specialize in when I move into warehousing. Mm. And when I consult people, I tell them this all the time. You need to have a target market. You can't just say, I got a warehouse. Hi, it's Aretha Willingham, the founder and CEO of SJW Logistics. You're now listening to Truck and Hustle. Turn my mic up. Are you? Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, Hustle fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And today I am in, what part of Georgia are we in, Saritha? We're in Lithia Springs, Georgia. Lithia Springs, Georgia. I am with the CEO and founder of SJW Logistics, Saritha Willingham. Welcome to the show, Saritha. Thank you for having me. Thank oh, you for man. having me. And thank you for coming to visit SJW Logistics oh, in Lithia Springs. Listen, listen, beautiful, beautiful establishment, beautiful warehouse, beautiful place. You guys have a lot going on here and we're going to get into it. We actually got connected through my good friend, Hope White. Yes. Um, so I know any friend of Hope, <laughs> any friend of Hope got to, you know, because Hope's the GOAT. You know, yes, so she, she, she said, I got to You got to talk to Saritha. So I said, hope I'm on the way. Yes. So. So again, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So we're going to get into the business, talk about, you know, how we got here. Um, but first, let's kind of get into your background a little bit. Tell us, you know, a little brief introduction, who you are, where you're from. And let's mm-hmm. let's get into it. Sure. So I'm Saritha, the founder and CEO of SJW Logistics. I am from Georgia, a little small town, one traffic light, Bartow, Georgia. Bartow? <laughs> Bartow, Georgia. Okay. So um, I grew up here in Georgia, went to college here in Georgia, and ended up moving to Powder Springs, Georgia uh, here. I started my career in corporate America at Coca-Cola as a a project manager slash business analyst. And then I moved from Coca-Cola supply chain department to XPO Logistics, where I was an executive IT project manager. And from there, I was able to learn a lot about logistics from the top down. So that is how my career got started when I saw, oh, this is how they do it. Let me see if I could do that, too. Gotcha. So what, what were you doing for? You said you started with Coca-Cola. Yes. And what was your job there? My job there was a business analyst slash project manager. What does that mean? Well, in the supply chain world, you do a lot of coordination of projects where they are installing the fountain drinks. So when you go press a fountain drink and get a Coke or a Sprite there, I was over that with the installation of it. But then I also had to do the analytics on the warranties when they had uh, faulty machines or uh, malfunctions with those machines. So they kind of had me in a dual role. Okay. Okay. Got you. So you would actually, would you take care of like deployment of the machines, like to the different sites? And then when the machines were faulty, you would see what was wrong, what the problem was, trouble codes and all that kind of stuff? It was more so not that, but more so analyzing the data that was coming back to see if we could make a warranty claim. Okay. To help Coca-Cola get some of their money back. Ah. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So that would be a warranty claim against who? 
the the manufacturer the manufacturer of the machine. Of the machine. Yes. Okay, got you. So for every machine they send out, they try and get some money back. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, and that was your role. Yes. Okay, got it. And how long did you stay with Coke? I was with Coke for seven and a half years. Okay, so you were there for a while. Mm-hmm. What made you leave to, to go with XPL? Because I saw the opportunity there. XPO had just got a contract when Amazon really started booming back in the day. Okay. And they were looking for a project manager, something they never had before. So it was an opportunity to further educate myself in logistics, but also run an entire organization. And then I had no experience in IT, so it was the opportunity to learn something new, too. I okay. like to challenge myself. And what was the role that you were hired in at XPL? As a senior IT project manager. Okay, and got you. And in that role, what were you doing? In that role, <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the best and worst experience of my life okay, okay. <laughs> in that role. And I say that because, again, I jumped into something new that I had never done before. Right. I knew the basic basics of how to run an organization i knew the basics of how to run a project but i didn't know it so i remember learning like the i remember um drawing out a diagram and i was like this little circle thing with the thing the oval shape and the they were like you mean the database (laughs) (laughs) so um we are here live at otr solutions hq i'm here with my partner Jonathan, man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. But what I will say from that experience, I learned so much about logistics. That's how I learned trucking, uh, last mile, brokerage, intermodal. So they, because I had to work on all those different systems to enhance them and consolidate them into one system, which I found out you can't do that either. But mm. I was able to to experience that. So so when you say the IT side, is this like 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 some type of like I'm just trying to understand like exactly what the what the I what you're doing with the IT. Just so I kinda I was the project manager. So anytime they want to develop new software, okay. They wanted to enhance their website. I'll give an example, the Drive XPO yeah. app that they have. Yeah. I was on that project. Okay. Helping them develop that. So when they hired me in, they had built a billing system that they were not using because they said the system was not ready to use. So my job was to make sure, go test that system, see what it is they needed. I worked with a team in India several days, night and day. (laughs) They're enhancing their software so they could use their system. So it was real technical. So so did you get to like cross train on the logistics end or or we just kind of like being nosy, like seeing what was going on? No, I had to, because it was systems, I had to do driver rides. They flew me to Orlando. I had to um, go to Amazon and FedEx and see their operation that ran overnight when they had DDU, direct distribution unit, where they delivered to the post office overnight. So I did that. Um, I had to go on driver rides when they did home delivery. So because I had to learn the process in order to implement it into the system. Got it. Got Mm -hmm. it. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So how long do you stay with XPL? I stayed with them for five years. Okay. Five years. Okay. And why did you decide to leave? What happens there? 
COVID released me. COVID. <laughs> yes. The pandemic, they laid me off because all of the projects I was working on got put on hold. And okay. they said, we no longer need your services. So how many people did they, did they let go of at that time? Was it only you or was it multiple no, people? It was, it was it was a tough decision for them because they were in the middle of one of their biggest projects. And it was a decision where we let go of our actual employees or our contractors. Okay. And they needed their contractors because they were doing development on that new system that was supposed to launch pretty soon. So I know it was a good bit of employees from all across the U.S. that they let go. And IT was hit the hardest. Got it. And this is 2020, obviously. Now, I know from talking to you previously, at some point you started a trucking company. You got into trucking, right? So how does does that happen? So um, my best friend from high school, him and I talked every day and he's been driving trucks since we got out of high school okay. so I have been telling him for years that I wanted to get into trucking and I actually had a tutoring business a tutoring franchise at the time and okay. I said I'm going to close this down a tutoring franchise yes I was part of um, I had franchise with Club Z in okay. home tutoring Yeah, and I was like this job that I have now is it, so demanding. I can't run my business like I was and I can't find good help. So I'm just going to close it down. And But I still want a business. And he was like, you've always wanted a trucking company. And he, he talked to me for a good year saying, you know, are you going to do it? You're going to do it. And he told me all the different things that he went through. But he was like, I know a lot of things have changed over the years. So educate yourself. So right. I kind of, he went from being like best friend, brother to mentor. Got you. <laughs> so so you thought Club Z was demanding. You thought trucking wasn't going to be demanding. <laughs> Did I learn? Because <laughs> I want something a little bit more relaxed, you, you know? know <laughs> I really thought that, honestly, because, you know, you hear what the streets say. Buy a truck, put a driver in it, you make a lot of money, right? right. So that sounds right. easy, right? Yeah. It sounds real easy. For sure. Well, my first truck was a lemon. Okay. It burned down in its first year. It burned down? Burned down to the ground. How'd that happen? Um, I We don't know. The truck the clutch got stuck, according to the driver. Oil pan fell out. Fire caught. And I was seven months pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I still have a FaceTime where I'm like, <laughs> that's my truck because he said a fire right so I said you can't go put that out with a fire extinguisher and he was like uh, let me FaceTime you and I'm like oh you mean a real fire oh, so wow. yeah it, it burned down but I had so much trouble with that truck right um, and this like is the one you bought when when you first started the business in 2017 yes. you started yes. okay yes. got you and it was like wow you know uh, my first year a truck fire yeah so I had, but within my first year, I had leased on owner operators. Okay. So I had three other people working for me. Okay. And how'd you know to do that so early? My friend, my mentor. Okay. I tell you, he became from okay. a brother, best friend. So he mentor. gave you the game. Yeah. How to grow, how to he, scale. Yeah. He was like, after you get in, you learn some things within your first year, you can lease on owner operators and let them run on your authority. Yeah. So I had, uh, after I made one year, I had leased on three owner operators and, when my truck burned down, it was like, well, you still got enough coming in to sustain and not have to close the business down. And you have the job too, right? Yes. So you still, you still have supplements as well. Yes. Right? Yes. What, what type of freight were you running at that time? We were doing mainly drive-in. Freight. Drive-in? Yes. Working the load boards and yes. just kind of like day-to-day figuring it out? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Over the road? Yes. Okay. Got it. Yes. Did you have a dispatcher or were you dispatching trucks yourself? It was kind of, I had, I was dispatching myself, but... 
I'm a project manager, so it became a project, right? Let me teach you how to book your own loads. <laughs> okay. And that way you don't interfere with my job. Got it. And I forward the rate cons to you because you're booking them yourself. You know the rates and everything. You pick up and deliver. And then in my free time and downtime uh, after work or on weekends, I will invoice this <laughs> there. Right. But, only you know, I had it set up like this is how we are going to do things. So, so you gave the, dr- the drivers that much autonomy. Yes. Okay. Got yes. you. Got you. Okay. And that worked out for you in terms it of did. it was profitable and everything. It did. Okay. Those drivers are still with all of them except one are still with me today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So you 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 building this business, right? You have three trucks. That, well, you have one truck that's yours, and you have three that lease on to you. Yes. Right. And then in 2020, you get let go from your job. Yes. All right. So now what happens? So at that time in 2020, we had five trucks. I had bought two more trucks of my own and I still had those three owner operators and I said you know what I don't want to go back to corporate America so my husband and I we sat down and talking he was like I've been telling you for a year you could have left anyway you know <laughs> it was like you're the late one here right, right, you know right. And so I, um, once I got laid off, I contacted Hope okay. and told her what happened because she had asked me a couple weeks before that, like, why are you still working? Right. <laughs> so when she did that, um, when I told her about it, she sent me an email or some people were looking for uh, minorities to do a contract with Ikea, but you had to be asset based. Okay. And I was asset based. Yeah. And it was here in Georgia. And we picked up in Savannah and delivered to Atlanta for Ikea seven days a week. So with that contract and all of the funding that they gave out in 2020 for the businesses, I was able to go from five trucks to 12 trucks Mm. by that uh, October. So we expanded. And then by that December, we decided, well, what do we want to invest in? Because we don't want to just depend on trucking revenue uh, per se, because you know how that goes. They'll they're up and down. So we decided to say, well, what other business are we going to open? We thought about roadside because we got robbed with roadside a lot. <laughs> right, 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 right. You're like, they're definitely making money. <laughs> yes, yes. And then we thought about the brokerage again, but none of us are really salespeople um, yeah. there per se. Yeah. And we would like, we don't have the staff in place at this time. And we landed on warehousing. And so um, that, that, I think we started about September, October with our business planning for the next year. Okay. And I said, well, I don't know about warehousing. And I met my real estate agent and educated myself. We drove around the warehouse. We looked at them and then we said, yeah, we can, we can get into warehousing to complement our trucking business, make us a full service 3PL. And we could offer so much to help, especially small to medium sized businesses. Mm, that's amazing. All right. So a few questions. So mm-hmm. when you decided on a warehouse, what were some of the things that went into that that thought? Like, was it location? Was it size? What were the, some of the things that you were thinking about when you were, you know, with your realtor that mm-hmm. to get the the right warehouse to get started? And this is the first warehouse you started in. Yes. So you're still here from from yes. the beginning, right? Okay. Yes. So tell me about that. Um, location was big to me because I'm still a family person. I'm still a mom, yep. you know, so it's not too far from my home and my kids in school. But the other thing was I wanted to be in an industrial location. I had to consider trucks being able to get in and out. You know, I did a market analysis. The 
people around there to be able to hire them. So we did a lot to really determine what was the right location. And then Douglasville has this improvement project where they're trying to build and hire more in Douglasville. So that went into the the thought process. But Mm. the other thing that was really like the deciding factor, we started talking to some of our customers on the trucking side that said that trusted us, that knew us and said, Hey, if we, got into warehousing, would y'all be willing to work with us on the warehousing side? And they were like, yes. So be honest, I started my warehouse in my garage because when I told one customer about it, <laughs> they were like, yeah, they were like, yeah, either way, I got to be out by December 1st. So I know your warehouse is not going to be ready to February, but can you take over this and figure it out for me? So we were... In my garage with UPS picking up every day from my house in wow. December of twenty twenty. Yes. Wow, that is crazy. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind just a little bit. So that IKEA contract that you talked about, mm-hmm. right? You said you're able to go to twelve trucks, right? So mm-hmm. that was based on um, obviously they continued to grow and they needed more capacity, so mm-hmm. they wanted more. So did you like lease? Uh, you 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 bought these these additional trucks, right? Not all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you like re- rent some of the, lease some of them or how, how'd that work? We did buy some more trucks, but we also leased them on, on operators. Okay. So, cause the goal was to be able to pass some of the expenses. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Maintenance and so forth. Yes. Right. Okay. Got you. So are, at this time, are you running solely for them? Is that like the, is all the eggs in that basket? No. What else are you doing? No, we're still over the road. Okay. So we had also picked up a dedicated lane through our broker that gave us the uh, IKEA contract with Home Depot, doing that, going from Texas to Georgia. And then we had a flatbed come on. So we onboarded flatbed and we onboarded Reefa. So we were doing that over the road as well. So we, we want, I always keep my business diverse. Yeah. I don't want to depend on one line or one income because what happened um, a perfect example is after having the contract with Ikea for a year, they decided to close down the Savannah location to move it to Florida. Mm. So we were like, okay, that's fine. Right. We had other work. <laughs> right, right, right. So what what would you say is the key to being able to get those direct contracts and connect the dots? Because that's, that's something that a lot of people have issues with. It right? is, it's, still, it's a challenge. It's very much so a challenge. Um, one thing that would be key is a lot of people want assets. You know, um, and they want you to have a certain amount of asset. Right. But explain that just for people who may not understand what you mean by when you say asset being asset based. Let's get yes. into that a little bit. So with us, we have all semi trucks. When they're saying asset based, they want you to have the assets. They don't want to go through a third party broker to find the assets. Um, a lot of shippers, manufacturers, distributors, their customers or they don't want to have a middleman in place because they feel it's an extra added cost and everybody wants to save money. Right. So being asset based is definitely a way to get more dedicated contracts um there but then having the right amount of volume so the way we approach things which a lot of people don't think to do is to um ask them to scale say can you give me a scalable contract because that's how our ikea contract started out um Mm. they only want to give us i think three loads a day for five days a week 
Mm-hmm. But then when they saw we came ready, <laughs> there we had trucks waiting and we were on time. I remember my drivers was delivering early. I'm like, you can't bring over the road drivers in and make them local. They, it doesn't work. But I remember that. Right. And they were like, oh, we need you to take over everything. So just being able to scale, that helps get dedicated. So, so you said you asked contract. them to scale? Yes, we asked them to So let you put like a like a proposal for that or mm-hmm. you just kind of just mentioned it to them? How did you actually go about doing that? When they told me the volume... I knew I had never did that before, and I knew I had the capacity trucking-wise, but I knew my team, my drivers, and what they were capable of. So I said, well, you know, I don't want to look bad. You know, good first impression. For sure, for sure. (laughs) And I said, well, listen, I know y'all already have a carrier on it. I don't mind taking over all the business. I'm fully confident that we can handle the whole thing, but can we scale into it? Maybe we start out the first week with this or the second week with that, or maybe the first month here or there. But when we started out, like I say, it was like three loads a day for the first five days or for five days a week. And then by the end of that week, they were like, can you please take over it? They didn't want to <laughs> wait to the time to for us to scale up. And we were like, sure, right. we could do that. Right. So. Now, now, when you got that opportunity in terms of like price, did, did you did they did it, they come with a, a price or did you where you had to negotiate that price for how that so, kind of work? So that's the difficult thing about all our dedicated lanes that we've ever got. They always told us the price. Right. You know, you could try to negotiate um, there. We've been able to be successful with getting an increase over time, but most of the time, because it's dedicated, because it's a set amount of volume, you're getting volume over um, actual quantity, as they say. Yeah. You, you, they'll tell you the rate, and it's like take it or leave it. Right, right, but right. But when you add up the volume over it, it time, it makes sense. Yes. Right, because you have consistent freight. Right? Exactly. So you don't have to worry about going anywhere else. We're gonna yes. guarantee you the freight, but mm-hmm. you got to do it at this number. Yes, and that's what I think a lot of businesses miss sometimes is that you want volume. Right. You want volume. Now you said you they did offer increase at some point. So how mm-hmm. do you go about that? Like, what do you bring to the table in order to, or how how long do you have to work with them until you kind of come to the table and say, hey, we need a little bit more? It depends. I tell my people, get to know your customer. Get to know your customer. Get to know them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how their day <laughs> is. You know, you want to get a feel for that person and how much power they actually have, you mm. know, because they may not have the power to give an increase. But you also want to know what they look for. A lot of times we'll go ask for an increase and we don't even know how they're measuring us. We got weekly measurements from our Ikea lane. We got weekly measurements from our uh a Home Depot lane where they told us what our on time rate was. We were, I was keeping track of it anyway, but you know, we were able to do that. So you got to understand what the customer looks for to give you an increase. Cause a lot of times we want to go and say, Hey, I need more money. Gas. Money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You don't but, care about that. That's right. not right. Exactly. But when fuel goes back down, do you go say, Hey, take my rate back. Cause exactly. fuel went down. So we put together a case to say we're delivering on time. We're handling our own internal. We recover when you have this. These, this is the quality of service we're providing to you. In addition to this, one thing that you did not ask for that we're giving you is customer service and after hours mm. uh, service that most companies are not able to give you. Right. So with all the, the qualities that we have and the skills that we have, we would like to request an increase to better support you. Yeah. Yes. So would you say that that is something that you got from your days of kind of project management yes. and, and, and collecting data and being able to come back to them with these inputs to say, look, this is what we're doing for you, right? Yes. So, yes. so that that's super important. That, and that helped you, I'm sure. Yes. I can say 
Corporate America was a blessing to me in my entrepreneurial journey because I was able to sit at the table with the executives and see how business was done, how they dealt with their customers. You know, even when, you know, in times we feel like, oh, we can't deal with this customer anymore. This can't have it was ways around it to say, well, let's try this. Never give up on this or never give up. And if you're going to cut ties, there are ways to do it. So it was it was a blessing for me. Got you, got you. So you get into the warehousing space, right? You, you you're trying to look at other ways to diversify, and you find warehousing. So what are the you find the space? Obviously, what are some of the challenges that happen initially out the gate? Um, I think the some of the challenges is. There's a perception with that, too, that as soon as you get a warehouse, people are looking for storage. People are looking people are looking for space. And, you know, the last two years we've been in this intermodal and drayage boom where transloading and all that good stuff is happening, where they want things off containers and put it on dry vans and all that. And the biggest challenge we saw where we do a lot of business in Savannah, but we're here in Lithia Springs. So our location uh. <laughs> is not ideal for some of our customers. So that was one challenge. Then the other challenge was we target small to medium sized businesses, which a lot of them are great product owners. They have this really unique product that they sell online or they're trying to get into a retailer, but they don't include their logistics and shipping. Mm. So then they come to me and say, Saritha, I need to get this delivered and this particular customer or, you know, carrier wants $3,000 to go 800 miles. And I'm like, yeah, that's logistics. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes, that, that's logistics. But they didn't put that into their pricing when they did their contract with their retailer or whoever they did it with when they got it manufactured. Mm. They didn't include shipping costs. So it's like, I need you to help me out. Well, I can help you out, but, you know, those those challenges is they don't have the money up front. So a lot of times in trucking, you got to pay those drivers in five to seven days. Right. <laughs> so they trying to that was a challenge trying to educate the small to medium sized businesses yeah. to say, well, I can get your product to my warehouse, but, you know, we can't always do net 30 terms. Right. So that that was the biggest challenge. And they'll go look for somebody else and they circle back around me because at the end of the day, I'm honest with them. Right. I'm honest. I want to be a partner with you, but I want you to face reality that you got to start including logistics into your your product. Got it. So what what would be like your typical like customer profile? Like what what type of businesses and like how do you sell those services? How do you find them or do they find you? Um a little bit of LinkedIn marketing uh for how we find our customers, yeah. but our typical customer profile is we don't have a minimum requirement we don't have a specific product we're not a food grade warehouse so we don't look at those customers but we're looking for customers that have steady volume of products that they order so we can keep our staff busy with order fulfillment okay so it really doesn't matter like you say it could be toothbrush we have toys in our warehouse we have uh gaming machines we have ballet products so we have a variety of things that we ship out for customers got it for someone watching who's interested in warehousing again everybody's always always interested in price like how do you uh build the business model for like warehousing well i know that's a Big question, but like as much as you could explain it. For well, me. that's a good question yeah. because I actually did that okay. before we moved us up. Before I even signed the paperwork, I said, "Well, let me see how much this warehouse is going to cost because that's going to determine how much cash flow I need, how much staff I need, um, as well." And I remember estimating what my monthly costs would be, fixed and you know, non-fixed costs. 
And to this date, I'm still on target. There. Really? Yes. Because I was like, I need to know all my costs before I move in. Because the other thing, I need to make sure my truck inside was going to be able to support the warehousing until it was able to hold its own. So it's it. very important to know the cost. Uh, because like I said, you don't want to get in something and then you don't have customers or you don't have what you need to be successful. So one thing I always tell people, go find out your costs. What are your fixed costs? What are your variable costs? What will it take? If you don't have that business analysis, that's that's a bad start. Mm. So typical fixed costs, I mean, obviously you have electricity, you have uh, you need somebody to work the forklift. You got to purchase equipment. Do you like rent your forklift? Do you, did you yes. buy that right? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, the the warehouse lease itself, because we're leasing, that's a fixed cost. Yep. The the lights and gas, that's variable because it depends. But the the forklift is fixed. So it's not a lot of fixed costs okay. or variable costs in warehousing. Okay. Um, but then you look at, well, to meet this, what kind of sales do I need? Right. So what that'll determine what I'm going to specialize in when I move into warehousing. Mm. And when I consult people, I tell them this all the time. You need to have a target market. You can't just say, I got a warehouse. Okay. <laughs> there, okay. Bring your product. You need to have a target market. So we targeted e-commerce customers. Um, a lot of our customers, uh, I'm sorry, e-commerce product owners, a lot of them came through uh, referrals as well. So one person learned know this person because they all work together in some capacity. They <laughs> right. all know each other. They right, all right, taking right. a cohort together or something. So right. they're going to refer you to them. And everybody's not a good fit. I've turned down some, you know, because of different things that they wanted. That we were like, no, we well, can't. Some, give me an example that. of something like that. Something that we um, couldn't support. I had this beauty supply customer reach out, potential customer reach out to me one time and. And she asked, could I put personalized notes in the boxes mm. <laughs> to send out? So if a customer put a note on the order that they wanted in a box of beauty supply products that they ordered, could I handwrite the, or have my staff handwrite that note right. and put it in there? And, you know, then I looked at, too, she had over, I want to say 300 or something different products. And so... Me, my analytics kicked in like, okay, number one, what are we charging for this versus the time it's going to take to pay attention to every order? For sure. And then one thing I did when I started my business, I studied, you know, scaling and what's scalable, right? And how can we grow into bigger customers over time? Sit down, write notes. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Yeah. But. You you know, one of my mentors told me you have to decide if you want to be a um, big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond. Right. So, you know, that just didn't add up for the time and labor was going to cost and the order volume. A lot of times they don't even know they order volume. And you're like, OK, this is just not a good fit for us at this time. Maybe as we grow, we can add that service yeah. in the future. But we won't be able to help you with that. Got it. How, how many customers would you say you service on a regular basis? Um, on the warehousing side, we have uh, five different 
customers that are consistent. Mm -hmm. And then on the, so we have two sides to our warehouse. And let me explain that. Okay. We have the order fulfillment side where we pick and pack orders every day. So in that section, we have a consistent five customers that are onboarded. And we're in the process of onboarding a really big customer okay. as well. But on the storage side, which is what we're sitting around, we have about six different customers out here on the storage where their product just come in and sit and they pay a monthly storage fee. Got you. Do you price differently based on the length of time that someone will have a product there? Is it just like a monthly type of thing? Yes. So we do long-term versus short-term storage when they'll have it sitting um, as well. But we also, if they are storing products here and letting us do pick and pack or we ship out their orders, we also price different for that too. We give them a discount on the storage. Okay. Okay. Got you. What type of mar margins are typical in, in, in storage? And I, I know there's two different you know, types, mm -hmm. but what would you say is like if you had to average them out or just a range? Um, to be honest, I never really looked at the margins okay. uh, there versus what I needed to be profitable and cover the expenses there. Uh, but if I had to say I do, we our margins are marked up at least 10 to 15 percent okay. of the cost. The thing you have to be careful with a lot of people don't want to commit to what was in the past yearly contracts or two-year contracts on storage. People want short-term storage. Um, they want six months or less because they're either looking for a warehouse, they're waiting to move into a warehouse. It's just so much when we talk to them why they're not looking for long-term storage because they're looking at, well, I can save money if I get my own space or I can save money if I sell the product or ship it here or ship it there. So, um that is the thing we have to look at. So most of our customers are case by case basis, whether we determine they're long term or short term. The margins for long term are a little bit lower than that. I would say between 10, 15 percent because we're going to get them longer over time mm. there. But if it's short term, the margins are marked up, I would say at least 15, 20 percent. Got it. How does the how does the trucking side intersect with the warehousing side, or are they just two different businesses? They are two different businesses, but the beauty in us, what I love, is that we can offer it all on one invoice. So the trucking side complements. If our customers have product they need us to pick up from somewhere in uh, any of the 48 states in the U.S. or go to the port a lot of times, we could pick it up and deliver it to our own warehouse and we could charge you for the trucking, the unloading, the palletizing, whatever we have to do, we could charge you for that all on one invoice. Got you. And, and that's powerful because mm -hmm. you, you could use that as a sell, selling point as well, right? Yes, we do. Okay. We use it as a selling point to say, hey, well, the beauty of us, we could do it all for you. <laughs> <laughs> we could pick your freight up, we could deliver it, we could store it, we could ship it out to your customers, whatever you need, we can handle all your logistics in one one um, invoice. But the other thing about it is, even if we don't have capacity or the assets available at that time and you need a shipment picked up in, say, for instance, Texas, and we don't have any trucks in Texas and you need it bought, took, taken to Philadelphia, we have a brokerage. So we could broker it out and we still give you all your services on one invoice. And when did you start the brokerage? I started it earlier this year in May. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got you. And what was the, the method methodology behind that? Just having that full it was, service business? <laughs> we went through the reality this year of the supply chain shortages and maintenance issues and parts being delayed since last year and our trucks being down for a long time and our customers saying, why can't you help us some other way? <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And we're like, well, why can't we help you some right, other exactly. way? And we asked them, same thing I did with Warehouse. Would you use us if right. we did that? Would you trust us? You know, because you've been using a different brokerage when we don't have. And it was like, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, we would use you all because we know you're going to be fair. So mm. that was the methodology behind it. Like, okay, we got to do something, continue servicing our customers. Right. So when you don't have capacity, you could always now mm-hmm. give it to somebody else, right? Yes. Now it makes a lot of sense. So where are you focusing on on the trucking side now in terms of niche? Are you still uh, working with those same customers or have you, what, what's that look like we now? We are, but we've expanded. So one thing we were doing, we're, uh, as I call it, revitalizing our fleets. We're getting newer trucks in, but we're going to leasing route now okay. to get the newer trucks. So it could be more attractive for our drivers because again we experienced when we bought our trucks back that were already five years old uh there they all went down at the same time with maintenance <laughs> issues they all had right. the same wear and tear issues right. and so just trying to sustain that with this economy today it's been pretty tough so we said okay let's change this model to get newer trucks saying yeah it's gonna cost us this but we're not gonna get a ten thousand dollar bill for maintenance you know <clears throat> so that was the one thing that we're doing on the trucking side. And as we're getting the new trucks in, we're also hiring new drivers because, like I said, a lot of our drivers have been with us for four years, two years. Um, they get complacent there. So we say, OK, we want to get some people that are going to be eager and hungry for it because that's what it also takes to to keep a trucking company rolling. For sure. How, how has driver retention been for you? It's been pretty As, good. Aside from those other guys. I mean, you said that's like you said, you had the one guys for what, almost five years or whatever yes and then but you have you've been hiring some new ones that they've yes. been kind of staying sticking mm-hmm. around yes so we uh, we get the feedback that we're we we try to understand our drivers we we let them know they're human you know we do have to have difficult conversations sometimes uh there but because we do try to understand them and say yes you're a human yes we know that you get tired yes we know this yes we know you don't like certain loads and stuff like that we have a good relationship with our drivers we really do and it, the ones when we staffed up from that 5 to 12 in 2020, a lot of those drivers are still with us. Most of the time when our drivers leave, it's like health related or we do have our poor performers <laughs> there. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to have a, a bad apple in every bunch. For sure. right? But most of them leave is health related or family changes. It's not us. So we pride ourselves in having building a relationship with our drivers. We get to know their families. We get to know their kids, you know, and let them know, you know, we're family. Right. We're all in this together. That's that's right. How does SJW grow from here? What what what's next in terms of offerings? So what we're currently working on is making this warehouse a foreign trade zone. Okay. So we can help our customers that do imports and exports save on tariffs. Uh, we've been working with UGA Supplier, De- I mean, uh, Small Business Development Center because they have 12 uh, foreign trade offices overseas. So get connected and find the right customers that are right fit for us so we could take the company global. Wow, how how difficult is that process? Very. <laughs> <laughs> is it very. is it difficult because of money? Is it difficult because of paperwork? Is it because of what um, just a scarcity? They don't allow a, a lot of you know places to be trade mm-hmm. zones. Like, what's the difficulty in it? So that's a great question. It's difficult because we are a service provider. We're not a supplier. We don't manufacture a product. A lot of times. People from overseas, they're looking for the buyer, the person that actual, there's a buyer looking for a person that manufactures the product because they want to buy it direct. So it's finding the customers that, the buyers that are buying stuff from our people here, uh, 
uh, shippers here in Georgia to that manufacture it and then trying to partner with them to say, well, once they bought this product from you, we can deliver it for you, being a service provider for them. So mm. it's difficult. And then we've been working with some foreign exchange companies who are telling us, well, if you take possession of the co- the product and you buy the product and then resell it there, you can uh, get import and export insurance on it. We'll pay for it to make until your customer pays you. Mm. And, but it's like, now that's an added cost. Right, 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 <laughs> there, right, right. Because now you want me to take possession of it and then pay that manufacturer who manufactured it. Then you want me to ship it, which I have the shipping costs. Even though you're insured or you'll pay me for it, it's still not the route we want to go. So trying to find that that niche to say, okay, we want to be a service provider for those that are in that market. Got it. Are you looking to expand on the warehousing, more space, uh anything like that is that something in the future yes it's it's been something that has been talked about in the future my thing is we're still trying to stabilize this warehouse um because business is up and down like i say people don't want to commit to long-term contracts right and what's the square footage here this is twenty-two thousand square feet okay Okay. so that's the biggest struggle there so with expansion i have had several opportunities to expand but i'm like can we stabilize this first (laughs) let's do that right which side is more profitable, the trucking side or the warehousing for you? Um, I would say because we have so many trucks right now, the trucking side is more profitable. I can see how the warehousing can be more profitable because there are less operational expenses when it comes to warehousing. You know, like Got I say, it. it's, it, you don't have no maintenance <laughs> there. No parts are going to wear and tear in the warehouse. It's just a floor and ceilings and walls, you yeah. know. So, it's, it's less expensive, so I can see how the profit margins eventually. Can take. Yes, eventually. That's a lot. So, so in in the future, and I, you just kind of said it. You said you want to get into the foreign trade zone. So, mm-hmm. it looks like you're leaning towards building out more of the yes. the, the the warehousing and so forth and mm-hmm. so on. Yes. Okay. Okay. I love it. Um, man, this is super, super dope story. Um, I, I love how you're building a business um, and just kind of like how everything kind of just really happened organically. And what's the real takeaway for me is that it's just like closed mouths don't get fed, man. You just kind of every opportunity you've gotten, you've got it just through asking questions. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Just through the opportunity mm-hmm. was there. You asked the questions and you and you figured it out. Yes, that for, is true. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to start kind of wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Um Traditionally on this show, we always have to do a um, a final thought, which is just kind of you leaving our audience with, you know, just a jewel, just something for uh, somebody who was looking at you and wants to be in your shoes in the mm-hmm. next few years. And then also just letting people know where they can connect with you, whether it's for, for warehousing, they need space and, um, you know, just to learn more about what you're doing here at SJW. So uh, let's start with where people can find you. You can find me on LinkedIn under Saritha Willingham or at SJW Logistics there. You can find me on Instagram as well as SJW Logistics. And I'm on Facebook at SJW Logistics. But we also have an SJW trucking page as well. Okay. So we're on all those different social media platforms. And before you get into the final thought, you did say you you said you consulted. So you do consulting. Yes. So earlier this year to expand in our marketing and service offerings, 
we started uh, Logistical Mix University where we okay. actually consult. So you weren't um, even about to talk about that. I know. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, we have Logistical Mix University um, there. I've taught a brokering class this year. We did five-day dispatch challenge. We did five-day trucking challenges. My goal is to help people see that if you want to do it, you can, but it's a smart way to do it because as I look back, I might would have started a little differently um, with that, but I'm here now. So my goal again is to educate people. You can do it, but there's a smart way to do it. Okay. Um, so there. I got to ask that question. What's the one thing you had done different? Um, I look at, and I have to use this company. We started around the same time, Molo Solutions, yep. but they started as a brokerage only. Okay. I started asset base. Got you. Within their, uh, three and a half, four year mark. They sold their company for what, like 30 million or a hundred <laughs> yeah. million. Yeah. And I'm still in my company. So, <laughs> so you know, Got you. I, I do my research and I pay attention. So yeah. yeah, there are yeah. Things I, but you know what? Everybody's path is different. Not saying I'm not going to be there one day, yeah. <laughs> but I might could have been there a little faster. A hundred percent. I hear that. That's funny. So, That's funny. Okay. Yes. Uh, I respect um, that. Um, <laughs> final thought. My final thought, like I've been telling people on social media, I like to give encouragement. And one thing Deion Sanders said uh, in a recent interview, sometimes you got to bet on yourself. I, If I would not have betted on myself, I would not be here today. I would still be in co- corporate America with my comfortable paychecks every two weeks. <laughs> there, not worrying about a thing because I always just say it all pays the same. But... Um, by me actually betting on myself and encouraging myself and saying I can do this because I am a woman in a male-dominated industry, there I have had the best partnerships with male. They males they really want to help you and they really want to partner with you. And a lot of my vendors are companies that are owned by males. So mm. I would say, don't be afraid. You got to take that leap of faith. Get a mentor. <laughs> Get a coach. But bet on yourself and you'll be very successful. Got it. Are are you able to share your revenue? Yes. Yes. So uh, year to date, I think we've made $2.5 million. Nice. So we're down in revenue, of course. Due to the pan, uh, the pandemic and supply chain issues, because last year we had two point eight million. So, got it. Our target was to hit that three million mark, but you know what? We're gonna hit it next year. You're gonna definitely <laughs> hit it. You're yes. gonna definitely hit it. I love it. Great story. I appreciate you for spending your time with us and educating us, uh, man. Make sure you guys follow Saritha SJW Logistics. They're doing big things. I'm here in the flesh. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me, and thank you for coming to SJW Logistics. We really appreciate it for sure if you can't respect that your whole perspective is whack hustle fam if you smell something burning it's only your desire myself sarita sjw logistics we are out if you twisted confused or stuck about trucks don't be dumb this is the place to come truck and hustle